What is going on, everybody? This is Tanner from TanManBaseballFan.com. It is Wednesday night, and guess what? I am on my walk again, so when I am walking, I am talking. And I figure I might as well have the phone in my face to record what I'm saying to share with you all. Great night. This is actually hoodie weather, and uh, <laughs> I am pretty stinking excited about uh, where the weather is going. Not this weekend because it's going to hop back up to 90 again, but beyond that, looks like we're uh, going to be in the 70s and 80s, so pretty pumped about that. I uh, dropped off Atticus uh, to youth group earlier, picked him up, and as we were driving home, we saw like this massive harvest moon, and it was awesome. I just, I love, uh, love big, bright orange harvest moons, but... I will say this, a pet peeve of mine is I can never take a picture of those guys, like a uh, picture of them to uh, show how beautiful they are. I just never have been able to do it. That's okay though. Um, but anyways, that is not what this is about. Uh, this is obviously about cards. And so one thing that's really cool, um, I just found out, first of all, I do this uh, podcast through Anchor, so there's somebody by the name of Mike, who's from Colorado, who sent me a message, uh, a little voice message thing from the app, and I didn't realize you could do that. Um, so it's pretty cool. He, uh, so hey, by the way, first of all, hi Mike from Colorado, I appreciate your message. Um, he had uh, um, a good suggestion of maybe asking the audience, so you all, uh, to send me messages as well about uh, questions about collecting or cards in general and even possibly sending me uh, topics on what to speak of. So I would love to hear what your thoughts are. And uh, Mike, definitely, yeah, keep them coming, man. If you have any uh, uh, suggestions of uh, topics or questions, um, I'd love to consider talking about them in future podcasts. And same goes for everybody else. So with all that said, I am going to, as promised, uh, talk about uh, reselling baseball cards. And uh, so this is a part two. Last night what we talked about was how do you sell the cards in your collection that you do not want and turn that into cash, which you can then turn into cards that you really love or boring stuff like pay bills and that sort of thing. <laughs> so whatever you want to do, that's fine. Um, Tonight, what we're going to talk about is uh, is moving from defense to offense. And what I mean by that is we're going to start uh, talking about how to look for deals on baseball cards. So it could probably be applied to anything, really. Uh, and uh, determine before you buy if they're actually a good, uh, a good deal to purchase. And if they are, make the purchase and then sell for profit. And as I've said in a lot of my writings over the past several, several years, um, I have a game and I call it Cardboard Alchemy. I love this game. It's so much fun for me. And it makes it less of a job, so to speak, because this really isn't a job. This is all fun for me. So here's what Cardboard Alchemy is. Cardboard Alchemy is when you buy a collection, you sell a lot of it, you recoup your money and uh, get some money in your pocket as well. And you still have the cards that you want from the collection left over for free. 
to me, that is the coolest thing. Anybody can make money uh, off of uh, cards with enough time and know-how. Uh, to be able to turn that into things that you really want, I mean, that's just, uh, to me, that's a fantastic thing. Um, so I want to try to help you. And the way that I'm going to do so is I'm going to walk you through a few um, fun stories that I had um, in the past and what I would, uh, how I would handle certain collections that would come up for sale. So to start off with, um, I'm going to start off with a uh, story that I had, which is kind of a, a little bit of a, uh, I don't know, I wasn't necessarily on the up and up on, <laughs> on this one to start off with. And I'll, I'll kind of give you that as a disclaimer. Uh, and hopefully as I tell the story, I will, uh, you'll understand why this happened this way. So somebody on Craigslist years ago had talked about having a bunch of packs of baseball cards and, uh, basketball cards, uh, and some football as well, uh, for sale for, I believe it was 50 cents each or so. And I didn't really think much about it because obviously they're going to be from the eighties or nineties, right? Well, turns out they were new at the time. So we are talking 2000, uh, 2010 National Chickle, 2010 Allen and Ginner, um, a lot of uh, 2010, 2011 tops basketball stuff. I, the ones with the uh, rookies of uh, Anthony Prestige that had like uh, Blake Griffin rookies and Steph Curry rookies. Uh, Curry wasn't a big deal back then. Griffin was the man. So, and I didn't really know that until I started researching more about. It. But so. Anyways, we were talking about a lot of packs for 50 cents each. And so I got really excited about it, y'all. I mean, like really excited. I didn't know how many he had. I just knew that he had several for sale. So I reached out to him, overly excited. Man, I really want these cards. Let me come over, let me, uh, let me get some. And he was trying to sell them in like uh, handfuls. And uh, so you want a handful of them, uh, they're gonna be, 25 bucks or something. And so I was, of course, interested in taking everything that he had, um, especially for the price that he was uh, offering him at. And uh, so anyways, uh, we started talking back and forth and I was pretty excited about it. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, he said, okay, here's what we're going to do. You come over Saturday morning at nine o'clock or whatever, uh, and I'll be ready to sell. And I said, okay, great. So I have such a hard time sleeping that night. <laughs> That's kind of uh, par for the course for me, guys, because like whenever it comes to a deal, I, I get obsessed with it. I can't think about anything else. So I'm super excited. I wake up early. I'm driving. I'm down the street. And I remember being at the stoplight, I think I was, before actually getting into his apartment complex. And he emails me. And he says... Something has come up. I'm sorry, I can't do this. I go, oh no. And so I was like, well, what do I do? <laughs> Freaking out and everything, you know. No, I'm like literally right here. It took like 45 minutes to get here. I pretended like I didn't hear the, uh, get the email. So I went to his door anyways and knocked and nobody answered. It's like, ah, dang it. Oh well, try to knock one more time. Nothing happened. So it's really unfortunate. 
I come back home, it's like, oh man, okay, well, no problem. Um, unfortunate. It's like, well, this is a round trip of an hour and a half at this point. So I asked them, uh, well, when can I come? And uh, I didn't hear anything back at all. Like complete crickets for the next couple days. It's like, oh man, what happened? Did somebody buy them out from under me or what? You know, so here's kind of where the, uh, um, uh, a little bit of, uh, the uh, mischievous part of Tanner came out here. <laughs> what I did is I set up another email address um, just to see if he was ignoring me or uh, what was going on. So what I did was I wrote him from another account uh, under the name of like Steve or something like that. And I said, and I, I decided to take a different approach, a much more chill, nonchalant approach of, you know, hey there, um, yeah, I'm interested in some packs, man. Like, you know, uh, can I check them out? I appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like completely different from Tanner being like, yeah, let's do this thing. And uh, so interestingly enough, uh, from my real account, he wasn't responding. From my fake account, bam, he responded like instantly. I thought something was up. So I was like, okay, all right something about me rubbed him the wrong way and I don't know what it was but anyway so I uh, was like okay cool well let me know when you can get together and let's figure this out he goes okay well how about this evening I'm like okay that's fine what's the address he gives it to me like super excited so I drive up there and I've never done anything like this before so so I am playing this guy named Steve <laughs> to to go to his house and uh, see what he has. So I go up there and I am not exactly one that can uh, uh, play a game like this. I just, I don't really have it in me. <laughs> but uh, anyways, I, I got together and I went up there. He opens up the door to his apartment and his apartment, you guys, was filled with these packs of cards. All of them basically from like 2008 to 2012, I think. And I believe this happened probably around the 2015. So they weren't too terribly old. And so I'm like, oh my gosh. And so I asked him if anybody had been around and bought any. He said, yeah, somebody bought about 100 packs uh, yesterday. Okay, yeah, that's, that's fine. So I asked him about him. Where, where'd you get him from? He said, well, his dad had... Uh, collected them himself and uh, he passed away so he had to inherit all this stuff and didn't know what to do with them. I go, man, looks like a, a Target or Walmart blew up in here because <laughs> there's so many packs. And uh, he's like, yeah, so how many would you like? And so I said, well, to be honest with you, I'd like all of them. And uh, <laughs> he's kind of taken aback. He's like, really? You want all of them? Why? You're like, what? And I said, well, let's, let's, uh, let's work a deal here. What can we do? I didn't know what I was looking at, guys. I, I knew he had a lot, and I was just too starstruck at that point. So I knew that he sold 100 packs for 50 bucks or something um, you know, the day before. And as I was going through them, by the way, I, I noticed something that was unfortunate. Many of these packs were opened already, and they had the cards still stuffed back in them. And so I go, well, oh, well, let me, let me take a look at a few of them. It looked like there's still some good cards in them. So I go, okay, well, uh, um, let's see if we can do a deal. 
And uh, I think we ended up doing a deal for like 400 bucks and it ended up getting, I ended up getting a bunch of other binders of cards and I brought them home. I literally had no clue how many packs there were. Well, when I got home, I counted them. There were about 5,700 packs of cards. I go, oh my gosh, I paid like less than a dime for each of these. And the cool thing was, was as I was going through them, uh, it looked like all of the cards that were good were still in those packs that were, that were open. It's almost as if his dad had put them in, uh, in the packs just to, uh, um, to store them. And that's it. So, uh, I didn't really want to, uh, sell them as packs really. I think I sold some college football packs like here and there, but that was it. The rest of them, I opened them myself and it was fun because I would just take a stack of uh, packs downstairs if I was watching a baseball game uh, every now and then and open them up and it lasted me for months. And I just had a blast. And so uh, I think in the end, I don't remember how much I uh, made off of that deal, but I made a lot even though I opened every pack myself. So it was a great thing. So the, the takeaways from that deal was number one, um, if you're set in a situation where you're going to uh, purchase some cards from somebody, ask them how much they would take for everything, whether you want everything or not. Uh, I think psychologically it helps somebody that's trying to get rid of a collection if they don't have to split it up. So uh, if they have a massive collection, see what it's going to take to purchase everything, the good with the bad, and you deal with the bad later and, you know, do all of your sifting out later and, and all that. And it's been my experience that that has been very, very helpful, um, in the past. So, um, that's the first takeaway. Uh, the second takeaway is obviously have fun with this. So if I were all about the profit, I would have just sold the packs. I wasn't about the profit. I was about the fun. And so that's why I was able to, uh, uh, go through and open them up all myself and, Financially, it made sense to do so, and uh, I just had a great time for several months. Now, the <laughs> the sour part is, obviously, as we know, Steph Curry got super-duper hot a few, a few years later, and uh, he, uh, he exploded. So those cards I opened, there's probably like a small fortune of Steph Curry in there, <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, we all have those, those horror stories. You can't, can't win them all, but, uh, overall I would say that was definitely a win. Um, going forward, I'll give you another, another story of a, of a fun, uh, purchase that I, that I picked up. I've talked about this before in the past. Um, what I did is I actually going to kind of couple two of them here, which was, which was really fun. Uh, the first one I ended up, uh, making a call to this guy because somebody told me that this uh, dealer that was selling his cards on Beckett Marketplace uh, was looking to sell out. And he said that he just had a lot of cards. But apparently he is a pretty well-known dealer. And so I go, oh, okay, that's interesting. So I call the guy, we make, a, we make arrangements. He said he wanted, I believe, $1,500 for everything. So okay, so um, I don't really know what happens in those situations a lot of times. So I, I brought some extra money with me. And so I drive over there and I wrote about this on my website and I think I wrote about it in my book 
as well. But uh, I drive over there and the house across the street is like, uh, looked like it had caught on fire, like half of it was gone. And uh, it, was, <laughs> it was a very sketchy part of, uh, part of town. And the house that I was supposed to go to, it looked like it was like about to be condemned. Like the ceiling was collapsing and it was rough. So I was thinking, should I really be going here? I don't know. <laughs> you know, it was a, kind of a little bit of a judgment call I had to make. But I said, well, I'm here. It was like about 45 minutes to drive over here. Let's do this. So I knock on the door and an older man answers and has me come in. And yeah, like I said, guys, like the ceiling was, was caving in. It was just a rough situation. So I asked him why he's selling. And he told me that, uh, ultimately his landlord is just not keeping up with the place. So it's become a dangerous area for him to live in. And he simply cannot move all of the cards. So he needs to get rid of them. So he brings me in uh, to this room off to the side. And interestingly enough, I've never seen anything like this before. They were all like 5,000 count monster boxes and everything was in order. Like you have 2008 Upper Deck Timeline, one through whatever that card set is, it's a monster, um, had uh, 2007 Alan Ginter, 2012 Gypsy Queen, like everything, or 2013 Gypsy Queen rather, like everything. I mean, it was just nuts. So he brings me into his living room, everything is cards like there's all kinds of boxes in there uh we go into his bedroom baseball cards like monster boxes floor to ceiling even the television that he had in his room was propped up by monster boxes <laughs> going to the kitchen the nook where the refrigerator is was filled with uh was filled with baseball cards and even the microwave that was uh, in the corner was sitting on baseball cards and the thing that was probably the wildest about all this was you go outside and under his carport, he pulls over this tarp and there are bunches and bunches of baseball cards there outside as well. So all in all, we're looking at a million baseball cards and I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is insane. First of all, I've got uh, what I call the cardboard mobile. It's a, uh, it's a minivan. It can hold... If I, if I remember correctly, about 250,000 cards before it starts bottoming out and, <laughs> and has problems. So I knew that if I was going to do this deal, I was going to have several trips ahead of me. So I told him I'd take him and he goes, well, wait, we didn't talk about price yet. Go, oh, wait a second here. What's, uh, <laughs> we did, it was on the phone. You said 1500. He's like, well, I didn't mean for all of it. Well, okay, so I was, I was willing to listen. So this is the, uh, another lesson for you that's listening through this is if you run into issues on a deal, humble yourself. You could be on your, your uh, high horse and, and really try to stick it to them and show them what's up and, you know, no, 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 no. Well, if there's a good deal, humble yourself and listen. He ended up saying that he needed at least 2500 or something. And uh, it's either 2000 or 2500. It was several years ago, I don't recall which one. But um, ultimately, it kind of stung because he didn't, uh, he didn't hold to the price that he had agreed to to begin with. He was very clear on the phone with, by the way. Uh, and I said, well, that's okay. I'm definitely going to be able to make my money off this. 
so I'll go ahead and do it. So thankfully, I brought extra money with me. By the way, that's another lesson for you guys. If you're gonna go uh, and look at a collection, make sure you have more money with you just in case, because you never know what else you're gonna see. So, I ended up getting everything, and uh, everything, almost everything, was like in order. Like, I didn't know it was uh, physically possible for anybody to have that much time in their life to actually put all of that in order, but it was very impressive. So, when it rains, it pours, and I had another deal show up from another guy who I guess he was kind of like a pseudo dealer, uh, and it was uh, um, probably, I think, that same week. So, let me tell you all something like, <laughs> let me tell you, <laughs> Holly was none too pleased with me, uh, you know, stuffing everything in our garage and, and saying, hey, by the way, I've got one more uh, one more load of cards to get to. <laughs> She's like, okay, get these things out of here. <laughs> so uh, anyways, I go over to this other guy's house and pick up the cards. There's like 200, 300,000 of them, something like that. I remember it's probably, probably close to 300,000 because it was just to the brim of my minivan. And uh, it was really difficult to bring, uh, to bring all of it through. So, uh, but love will find a way right so <laughs> so we stuffed everything and the funny thing was was this collection was like completely the opposite the the collection was like a lot of these cards were in trash bags and uh, no boxes wherever they had holders but no no uh no boxes they were just uh put in trash bags and i thought it was really bizarre because he had some great stuff so i bring that home and I have like these two collections to just process through. And so one thing that I remember uh, about the trash bag collection um, was a very good lesson uh, to be able to teach to you as well, is whenever you're uh, in a situation where you're ready to see somebody's collection to buy, try really hard to slow everything down because it might be like, uh, really overwhelming to you if you uh, go in cold on uh, somebody else's collection. Try to slow everything down and think through everything methodically and uh, be as conservative as you can with your pricing on what you think that you can get for everything. And so that's, that's gonna be your best bet because a lot of times a deal happens not when you sell, but when you buy. And they tell you that in real estate as well. Uh, don't, don't make a purchase thinking that something's going to increase in value. Make a purchase at the right price. So uh, for a collection, for example, uh, you don't want to go in to buying a collection for, say, $500 that you uh, have this, this pie-in-the-sky idea that you're going to uh, make 1500 where when you really think about it hard, conservatively, the price might be 700. So is that gonna be worth your time and effort? And uh, to kind of go in a little bit of a rabbit trail off this, by the way, sometimes the answer is yes. If you love this stuff enough, making $200 off of a lot of time uh, to list things and everything and keep some cards that you want might be uh, something that you want to do and that's perfectly fine. A lot of times that's not enough profit for me uh, especially if it's a big collection uh, so uh, you know what you need to do is instead of buying for 500 uh, 
gonna try and sell for 700, you know, work with the, with the seller and say, you know, look, here's, here's the thing. Uh, I don't want to buy myself into a minimum wage full-time job for the next 12 months just to get my money back on this. So um, I would really like to, uh, uh, you know, work on the price uh, to purchase everything from you. And you'll let them know, like this could be literally several months worth of full-time work, uh, possibly depending on how big the collection is, just to pull a couple hundred dollars profit out of it. I mean, at that point, I mean, if you're working uh, uh, for a listing and all that stuff for $2 an hour, let me tell you, I'll be the first to let you know it is, uh, the fun leaves really quickly. <laughs> so, you know, I think that's, uh, that's going to be a perfect segue into the next topic that I want to bring up is, uh, is really what you need to do. Uh, sorry. Uh, huh. Sorry. I lost my train of thought here cause I see something outside. <laughs> Anyways. Um, one thing you need to do is, uh, is, Master the art of being able to educate the seller about the value of what they have. And uh, a lot of that means that you're going to be going into these collections where some people think that they have gold. It might just be from the 80s and 90s. So nobody likes to be the bearer of bad news to tell them, sorry, <laughs> your 80s and 90s cards are probably not worth a whole lot of money. As a matter of fact, a lot of people in the hobby consider it firewood and uh but uh you got to be careful with how you say this because um some people might take offense to this because remember you might be talking about their childhood <laughs> so uh you know you got to be careful about this so whenever you do start looking uh looking at somebody's collections uh somebody's collection that you're looking to purchase you know really kind of like i said before slow it down methodically think through what you can uh, possibly get through it, uh, get for it, and then start asking how much they want to sell it for. And once they tell you the price, you can then look at everything and see if it's workable. Now, if it is, great. That's fantastic. If it is a slam dunk no-brainer, um, it's up to you if you want to try to negotiate a little bit. Um, but, you know, obviously that's, uh, that's just kind of a, a personal preference if you want to do it or not. If it's something that you're really not sure about, or if they're just wildly high, you know, it would probably be a good idea to uh, uh, educate them a little bit and maybe even come alongside them to help them uh, identify what the value is in their collection. So if somebody says they want $1,000 for their card uh, collection because they looked up the eBay prices <laughs> or the price guide prices, you know, you can obviously tell them how the majority of people are uh, valuing the cards uh, now and the best way to do it is to look at how many how much uh, cards have sold for not necessarily what people have sold them for uh, or are trying to sell them for for instance the 1990 Fleer Jose Uribe um, if we are if we if we are uh, basing the value of that card off of what people are trying to sell it for then Congratulations, everybody in the junk box era is now a millionaire <laughs> instantly, but that's not how this goes. So what we need to do is we need to educate them on how much these cars have actually sold for. So, and some of them, it's my experience, 
that some of the collectors and sellers now uh, have acclimated themselves to this and they're privy to this uh, information on, on how to price things. Still, they might say, you know, hey, look, I've uh, got this $1,000 collection. I know it's $1,000. I didn't check the price guides. I didn't check what people are trying to sell them for. I've actually checked eBay sold prices. So that's a good starting point, but there still needs to be a little more education uh, given from you to them about the importance of the time that it'll take to actually sell those cards. So if they say that they can get $1,000 off of the cards, uh, there's a reason why they're not, because it takes a long time. And so you need to establish that there is value in that. So what, what that means is in order for it to be a workable deal, again, depending on the quantity, because it's one thing to purchase a $1,000 card for 900 or so, it's easy to list a card like that for $100 profit. It's quite another if there's 3,000 cards and 2,500 of them are commons and you still have to list 500 uh, one at a time to get that money out of it uh, for 100 profit. Probably not going to be worth it. So the best you can do in that situation is to let them know, you know, hey, look, this is literally going to take me uh, maybe 200 man hours or whatever it is um, to list these and get every single last penny out of this. So does it make sense for me to take on 200 hours worth of work for $100 profit? No. And I was actually having an interesting conversation with my family <laughs> earlier tonight uh, on the way of dropping off Atticus at Youth Group, which was, uh, the question was, uh, what would you do if you had an entire house full of pennies, but the only way you can monetize those pennies is if you rolled them yourself, so those 50 cent rolls. So, <laughs> and so we talked down and said, you know, hey, look, you might be able to get $12 of rolls uh, rolled per hour, perhaps. And I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, it might be wildly under, who knows? But that's all you're making. At $12 an hour, um, you're not really doing anything other than rolling these pennies, and that's it. <laughs> so, yeah, I think about this with uh, cards as well. I mean, I remember a, uh, a guy that had these Whataburger Nolan Ryan cards. He had like, uh, I think it was like eight cases of them. Like, I and mean, we're talking thousands of these cards. And so I think he said, hey, look, I've got 20,000 of these uh, Nolan Ryan Whataburger cards from 92. And I've seen a few of them sell uh, for three or $4 each. So therefore, in his mind, he's got, you know, 60, $80,000 worth of cards of Nolan Ryan. And so what I told him is like, well, not everything is as it seems. And here's what I mean by that. I told him to look on eBay and saw that there were a hundred or so of them for sale at, every given, at any given time. And only two or three of them sell a month, which means that uh, in order to realize that 60 or $80,000, he would have to sell a couple every month until the year 4825 or something. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's something that you gotta be very careful with. Just because the value uh, is there of cards that have sold in the past doesn't dictate the entire story. So you gotta be very careful with that. So that's another, another lesson to be learned when it comes to looking for, uh, for resale lots. 
So I apologize I'm skipping around a little bit here. As I said, this is uh, completely unscripted. This is off the cuff. This is me just talking. Um, so we're going to go back to uh, having you in your mind sitting down uh, inside of a seller's house with his collection trying to do a deal. When I talked about you slowing down and trying to methodically think about what the collection would be able to net you as far as profit goes, uh, let's talk about some uh, tactical ways to do this. So for, for me, what I would do is I would look at all of the boxes that somebody has and all of the binders and all of the cards and hard cases. And if I saw boxes and I pulled out a few of them, I noticed that you had like the beautiful junk wax rainbow in some monster boxes and you know exactly what I'm talking about. I think if, uh, if I say that, you know, if the tops are red, um, it's probably 90 Donruss. If there's some rainbow, like green, blue, uh, red, probably 90 score. Um, you know, if it's brown, it might be 87 tops. So, and so on and so forth. So, uh, in order to slow everything down and try to really critically think about how much money that you can make if you're the seller of this collection yourself, you know, I would look at these boxes and say, okay, there are 27 boxes of commons, assuming they're commons, of junk wax. If I can make $5 per box, you know, that's going to be X amount of dollars. And let's take a look at the binders. I see 10 binders and uh, I see that there are some stars in there, but let's assume the majority of them are commons as well, but they might sell for $6 a binder. So uh, add up that with how much the, the box of commons are and then look at the good stuff. All right, so for the good stuff and the holders, um, try to do a, you know, quickly flip through all of them and make mental notes and, you know, use your, use your head and even use your calculator if you need to. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe don't necessarily crack open eBay in front of them uh, to take a look at anything necessarily. Uh, you know, if, if you want to, go ahead, but that's not really something I would be interested in doing myself. Um, but anyways, when you come up with the price on all the cards in the hard cases, you can add up the commons, the binders, and the stars all together. And like I said, be very conservative with uh, what you're trying to do as far as pricing goes. And then take that price and really think about how much time it's going to take you to uh, to sell these. Again, we're looking at possibly breaking this apart several, several, several times. So you might have to deal with several people uh, to clear out this collection uh, and then make an offer based on that. And so that way you're not just starstruck by seeing somebody's apartment full of cardboard going, uh, I don't know. Um, and he goes, I want a thousand dollars for this. And you go, Oh, you take 700. Uh, and he goes, 850, 800. Okay. Deal. So you're excited about this collection. You put $800 into it, bring it home. Only find out there's about $400 worth of stuff. So that's going to really take the wind out of your sales real fast. So that's why I'm saying, you know, just slow yourself down, uh, slow your heart rate when you see everything, uh, think over all of it and start making mental notes as far as how much everything is worth um, and how much you think that you could get for everything. 
So the last two things I'll talk about in this podcast here, and, I, and the first part I'll say first and foremost that I probably should have led with. How do you find these deals? And the, the answer is very, very simple. Um, all you have to do is put in the hard work and look. Now, you can look for deals on Craigslist, on Facebook, Marketplace, and on eBay. And they very rarely show up because the majority of them are collections of 1988 score. They've got a thousand of them and they want 10 cents each. Well, if you've been in this uh, hobby for long enough, you know that like nobody in the right mind should pay that price uh, for 88 score. <laughs> um, so the thing is, is you've got to really just keep looking. It's going to be uh, going to take a while. You might get frustrated, but the more you look, the uh, the better chance you have something uh, to hit. So you just keep uh, keep swinging the bat, and eventually you're going to hit something. Um, I think it was uh, Wayne Gretzky that said, "You miss a hundred percent of the shots that you don't take." So the difference between somebody that succeeds in this and fails is that the one that succeeds is actually putting in the work to look. And uh, I'll give you one more story of a deal that actually worked out for me on eBay, which is kind of fun. Um, I remember uh, seeing somebody that was selling IP autographs, in-person autographs, and there's like a lot of them of like 50 or so, and it's selling for $25. I was thinking, oh, that's kind of interesting. Um, huh, let me see what else he has. Well, it turns out he has several lots of these autographs. So, okay, well, let me talk to this guy. And to everybody else on eBay, all this guy was doing was he was selling lots for of uh, 50 in-person autographs for 25 bucks per team or whatever it was. But as I drilled down, I noticed that he had a lot. So I wrote him, I said, hey, listen, I'm, uh, I'm interested in, in some autographs, but I wanna know how many you have in total. And he told me, he said he had about 4,000 of these completely in total. Maybe it was 3,000, maybe it was 7,000. I feel like it was actually 7,000 because I think it was uh, two boxes, uh, two four-row boxes, if I remember correctly, and some extras. Um, but ultimately I said, you know, look, I'm a buyer of everything. Uh, if, you, uh, if you're interested in, in giving up this, uh, uh, selling them uh, in 50 count lots and everything. And so he said, well, yeah, let's talk about it. So we talked about it for a little bit. And ultimately, I think I ended up doing a deal where I ended up buying uh, these autographs for, it's been years ago, but it was like 15 or 20 cents each. And so I go, huh, okay, well, that's pretty good because there are some good names in there. And it was, uh, you know, of course, in a bulk situation, you're not going to get home runs on every card. Uh, but what I did want to make sure is I want to make sure that I wasn't getting all minor league cards that were autographed uh, over all kinds of different types of uh, pins. And, uh, and you know, 12, 15, 25, uh, you know, Mike Bielecki's or whatever. Um, and interestingly enough, I'm saying Mike Bielecki because I think he's a Facebook friend of mine. <laughs> so, uh, so that's kind of fun. So Mike, if you're uh, listening, hi, shout out to you there. Um, but uh, uh, having a, a, very, uh, a very nice array of different cards and not like bulk lots of one certain player uh, is going to be a lot better because nobody wants 
10, 15, 20, Eric Anthony or Kevin Moss or whoever it is, um, you know, but people would be thrilled with one of them, you know, for sure, one or two. So um, we ended up doing a deal and I got him in after, after asking the questions I wanted to uh, make sure I, uh, I asked. Of course, I wanted, I wanted the questions answered of, you know, what type of pens were being used, how did you get these autographs, make sure they're legitimate. Turns out he had been spring training uh, uh, hunting these uh, guys for years and years and years and years. And all of them were, were signed beautifully in, in blue Sharpie. And uh, there were very few uh, duplicates. So I was good. I bought them. And what I did is this is going to segue me into the last part of this podcast is a selling strategy. So um, for me, my strategy of selling is I do not like listing single cards over and over and over again on eBay. What I like to do is I like to buy these collections at a price where I can move them in chunks to possibly other dealers or wannabe dealers or collectors um, and make a little bit of money. I'd rather not make every single uh, penny I can out of all of them at the expense of hours and hours and hours of time. I want to move them as quickly as possible after I'm done with having fun with them. So what I did is I ended up uh, going live with the sale for the entire 7,000 or so in-person autograph lot. And this grabbed the attention of some of a couple of business partners in Colorado. Uh, and what they ended up doing is they ended up uh, flying out to me. And I think they found me from eBay as well. So interestingly enough, uh, I bought these cards from eBay and sold them on eBay. And so they flew out, they look at them, and they ended up uh, paying, I think, three or four times the price that I ended up uh, um, buying them for myself. So I was happy, they were happy, everybody was happy, it was a good story. Um, and again, I wanna highlight that this deal happened because I dug from a little listing for $25 on eBay itself. So think about that. It just takes time. It takes work. It takes uh, talking to people. And if you, if you have the stomach to do all that, then go for it. You've got basically everything you need to succeed. And as a little bonus, I want to tell you the last thing that I would recommend. Uh, really pay attention to prices on uh on cards and what things have sold for, especially in your sweet spot, because there are gonna be uh, cards that you're not gonna know a whole lot about, um, and that's okay, because there's so many different aspects of this uh, of this hobby. You've got graded, BGS graded prospects of these kids that are like 16, 17 years old that might go sky high. You've got uh, low grade and raw vintage uh, from the 19th century to early 20th century. You've got commons from the 50s and 60s and figuring out like what are variations, what are high numbers, um, what the market is for those. Um, and then of course, you need to uh, figure out like what the market is for the 70s cards. Um, you know, for instance, like there's a lot more sellers for uh, or buyers for 70s commons by a long shot than there are for 80s commons. And that's just how it goes. So the more you do this, the more you'll understand and the more you'll be able to pick up knowledge on what sells for what. 
So the main thing is, guys, is just try. Just get out there and start doing it and enjoy it. But above all else, always, always, always be as truthful as you can and uh, as fair as you can be. Because in life, we're only given this one name that we have. And once you, uh, once you tarnish your name, that's it. It is so hard to get that name back. So for me personally, I would rather uh, make a little bit of money uh, as a, truthfully as opposed to a lot of money trying to uh, uh, swindle somebody saying, hey, look, you know, your card's trash. I'll give you a hundred bucks, uh, maybe just to throw them off to the dump and then end up turning around and sell them for a thousand. Not a way, not a good way to go about doing it. So as a result, you know, that's kind of how I have handled my business. When I say business, I use that term loosely because this is not a business for me. This is just fun. But how I've handled myself in this, uh, has, uh, has paid off very well for me because I have all kinds of dealers coming back to me and collectors over and over and over again. Uh, because they know that I'm going to be fair with them. And also, I set up a way for a lot of them, if they're spending a lot of money with me, to where they can make money too. So, uh, anyways, those are my thoughts for tonight. This one is a long one. I see I, we just hit the 45-minute mark. So, thank you very much if you've decided to hang in there uh, with me tonight. And uh, listen, I hope this has been enjoyable for you. I hope this has been informational for you. Uh, uh, informational is that the right word educational for you <laughs> I don't really know <laughs> uh, but anyways I really do hope you enjoy this uh, please feel free to reach out to me I'm very accessible I uh, love talking baseball cards say howdy to me on uh, Twitter at TanManBBFan uh, on Facebook you can find me Tanner Jones I am I am uh, posting uh, family friendly memes like 24 <laughs> 7 so i enjoy the heck out of that too so get in on that action if you want uh and youtube you can find me youtube.com forward slash tamman baseball fan uh email tamman baseball fan gmail.com my website tamman baseball fan.com and please don't forget to check out my book it is on sale right now for 9.95 uh paperback or 4.95 kindle it's called confessions of a baseball card addict and it is available on amazon thank you once again for listening and i hope you all have a great night